Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. I sort of feel like we ended up rushing at the end of the discussion of Mourner's Kaddish. I feel we should take a moment to digest and breathe and reflect and and I'll handle any questions about Kaddish. That's what we'll do today. Next week, I thought we might take a look at Ya'alev Yavo, which I don't believe I've ever done in this class in the many years that we've done it. Maybe I did it once. And that is the paragraph that is added on Rosh Chodesh and festivals. And I figured since it's Rosh Chodesh on Thursday and then following that, it's going to be Pesach and we're going to be saying Ya'alev Yavo in our benching and in our davening that that would be an opportunity to time to go over that. And I believe that will be a one shot. I think one week will be sufficient for that. And we'll talk about meaning of Yalev Yavo next week and why is it in the Amida where it is, which I think is the the bigger question. Always like, why did they put this here as opposed to someplace else? So we'll talk about that. So I think that's what we'll do next week. So this week we'll wrap up on Kaddish. Next week we'll talk about Yalev Yavo. Then we'll be off for two weeks. And then we're going to start uh, after Pesach, hopefully, with kind of a unit on um, Jewish theology in general as it applies to the Sidur. That is what I envision doing. Okay? That's the plan. Does that sound okay to people? Any questions or suggestions from my regulars, the people who are out there listening in cyberland, you know, will have to take what they can get. But any questions from you all regulars? No hands. Okay, that's cool. Okay, um, so I wanted to have a, us have a, to have a chance to circle back about today about Kaddish in general, Mourners Kaddish in particular. Um, I raced through a bunch of things. So first of all, are there any questions about Kaddish choreography? What words to say when? Because I answered a, a bunch of those questions. I didn't. I didn't do that systematically, and I answered the questions as they came up. So I want to have a chance to go back over anything. Let's start with Larry. By the way, I'm looking at Kadish Alem. Um, I'm looking at the one before Alenu. So page 82 in the slim and page 158 to 160 in the sim. But there are surely many Kaddishes in your C tour. Okay, Larry, you're muted. I have to unmute. Sorry. You had said... There's only one Kaddish which it's required to stand for. And I think that's the Kaddish at, um, before Mafter, the Torah reading. Is that correct? So for those who are strictly halach, sorry, strictly halachic, but minimalist, halachic, but minimalist. Okay. Um, yes. It's the Kaddish of the Torah service. I haven't gone back and looked at the sources, but I believe that there's an explicit early source from the Talmudic era that says that we stand for that Kaddish. Okay. It has become the dominant Orthodox minhag to stand for all Kaddishes, although that's only minhag. It's only minhag. Okay. But certainly everyone would agree that if you are standing already for some other reason, you don't then sit down all of a sudden for Kaddish. So that doesn't make sense. Like, I'm standing, but Kaddish is coming, so I'm going to sit down. 
Okay. I do, I do know that in liberal synagogues, certainly in reform synagogues, the practice is for only the mourners saying mourners cottage to stand and everyone else to sit. Okay. So in reform shuls, I don't actually know what they do at Temple Beth Am. I, I don't know. But in reform shuls, they tell you all to sit down after Alenu when you were standing and only the mourners to stand and they have a little introduction. But certainly traditionally, if you're standing for Alenu, you would not then dafka sit down. It's an important prayer. You're praising God's name. So it would be seen as sort of disrespectful that you were standing. All of a sudden we get to a, one of the most important prayers in the Sidur where you are, you, the congregation are going to praise God's name and you choose to sit down. Okay. So if you're standing, you don't sit. So there are various, I'm going to say gradations of minhag. And if you go to an Orthodox shul, you'll see there's some people who don't stand for all the Kaddishes, right? And most people do stand for all the Kaddishes. But that is minhag. That's practice. Larry, so can I just, but as far as I know, there is an early halakhic source. I think it's in myself at Sofrim. I'm sorry. I haven't gone back and checked it that says you stand for the Kaddish of Torah service. So that does answer my question. I just have one other comment and observation. In some reform tools, I have seen where everyone stands. Um, and obviously, since there tend not to be halachic, I'm sure that's simply a convention uh, and an attempt to comfort the mourners. And one observation, in Mozambique, um, where the service was not exactly halachic in any case, uh-huh. But in, in Mozambique, it was the non-Jewish, what I call lovers of Zion, who came every week. Would be would, They were the ones who would then stand. I never told them to stand at, at all when a mourner, like my wife, who was saying Kaddish for her father, was saying Kaddish in solidarity. And they just felt that, they, that that was the thing to do. So I never disabused them of that at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just, thank you. I'll just add my own footnote, then I'll come to Alan, then Bernie. My own footnote, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of regular Jews don't know halacha and don't know minhag, and they just do what they do. Um, what I've sometimes seen in certain liberal circles is when, uh, like a grandparent dies, the whole family stands and says Kaddish. Now, I'm a little traditional about this. My attitude is, oh, you know what? You're 16 or 23 years old and your parents are alive. You don't say Kaddish when you're standing right next to them. Someday, sadly, you will have to say Kaddish for them. It's the way of the world. Until then, you don't say Kaddish for grandpa. So if I am ever asked, but but they feel like they want to do something. So if I am ever asked, which is only extremely rarely, uh, I would say to such people, oh, no, then it's your job to stand next to, let's say, your parent who is grieving for their parent. You stand next to them and you say, Amen, Yeheshmei, Rabbah, Mevarach, La'alam, La'almeh, That is your act of solidarity with them. Instead of tuning out and chatting, chatting during Kaddish, which lots of us tend to do, right? We shouldn't. Uh, you focus and your act of support is your loud Amen Yeheshme Rabbah. You shouldn't be saying Kaddish with your parent next stand, while you're standing next to your parent who is alive. That would be my 
answer. I understand different synagogues have different practices, but tr- traditionally, certainly grandchildren are not mourners and they should not be, tradi- again, traditionally, halakhically, they should not be saying mourners Kaddish along with their parents if the parent is saying it for their parent. Okay. Alan, then Bernie. Unmute Alan. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I'm unmuted. Uh, I'm at the hospital right now. My sister Leah is undergoing some surgery, so okay. forgive have, me if there's some ambient a, noise. A Rafua Shlema. What's her name? Leah Bat uh, Fuma. Leah Bat Fuma. Thank you. Okay. okay. I, did, um, I didn't daven yet this morning. I will add uh, her. Me in, neither. I'm I going add, to do the... I will add her in my Rafa'enu after, after class when I daven. Okay. Leah Bat Fuma. Okay. Thank okay. you. Go ahead. Um, in terms of standing or not vis-a-vis the, the, the Kaddish, it was my understanding that, that if you're already standing, you remain standing. Right. But that you stand if before you're going to do something, you'll be standing as well. Like before the Amidah, you right. stand up for that Kaddish. Right. The classic, yet, would, the classic would be Barhu, right? Uh, I mean, sort of the, it's the reverse kind of from what I said. Like, okay, you're going to stand in 30 seconds. For Barhu, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, 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 I mean, actually, sorry, that doesn't apply because you were already standing for Yishtabach, right? Right. So, right. It would be ridiculous if you stood for Yishtabach, you sat down for Chatzik Kaddish, and then you stood up for Barhu, right? It would be, yeah. uh, what point are you? Yeah. So I guess you're right. It's theoretically like Aleinu we're going to stand up for, right? We were seated for Uvalatzion, except for those of us who start, who start taking off our tefillin. Because if you're Ashkenazi, when you take off your tefillin, you stand. If you're a Sephardi Mizrahi, you can sit while you're taking off tefillin. Okay. But if you're Ashkenazi, you're supposed to stand while you're, so if you're taking off your tefillin during, after the Kedusha of Uvalatzion, you get stand anyway. But if you, let's say if you didn't, you keep your tefillin on, because there are different minhagim about when to take your tefillin off. You're seated for Uvalatzion. You're going to stand for a minute in Aleinu. You might as well go ahead and stand for, for Kadish Shalei. Is that what you're yeah. referring to, Alan? Well, I w- well I was, to, to draw the distinction that I was going to make is that it's done with respect to, as you say, if you're already standing, you remain standing, like the, the Chatzik Kaddish yeah. before the, yeah. the Amidah. Yeah. But like on Shabbat, when you're done with Eleinu, you sit for En Kelohenu. En Kelohenu is before Eleinu. En Kelohenu, excuse me. Eleinu. Yeah. And then, um, I was getting distracted here. My apologies. Let's say if you were in a congregation, there are some congregations where they won't do all the mourners' cottages. They'll do Aleinu and then Shir Shel Yom right afterwards. Let's say the, they decide to do that and then do mourners' cottage after Shir Shel Yom. In theory, if you don't believe that you, if it's not your minhag to stand for all cottages, in theory, after Aleinu, you might sit down to do Shir Shel Yom, and then there's a Mourner's Kaddish, and you might choose to not stand for Mourner's Kaddish. If you say, my minhag is I don't have to stand for all Kaddishes. Okay, but yeah, the, yes, that the point is, whatever it is, I, I somehow I thought on, on Shabbos, when there's Ein Kelohenu, um You have to go back, go back and check your Sidur. Okay. Not this, not this second when you're there praying for Leah but before next week. Or before I jump okay. into you, next, I'll, I'll double check the dog. The, 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 okay. The, the point is that yeah. if you're if you're if you're already sitting down, you, and if you don't stand for all kaddishes, you wouldn't 
you wouldn't get up for the Kaddish unless that's your minhag to stand for all Kaddish. Yeah, got it. Okay. Bernie. You know, uh, my my experiences in reform shows, yes. which started in the early 1970 when I went to San Bernardino, as everybody yeah. stood, I saw some people who were quite offended by it who were used to more orthodox. And, right. and if that continued at Temple Emmanuel standing, now when I go back to Temple Emmanuel, not often I find it hard to stand, you know, for like, but because most people. Because most people are sitting. Wait, you find it hard to stand sitting. No, most people, most people, no. The rabbis, the reform rabbin, I think, so so that the mourners would be would be uh, joined. They they have people um, uh, stand. Uh, everyone stands during Kaddish. Right, right. And I've heard different things about this psychologically. Like the, I think that the, I'll put in air quotes, traditional, which means the older reform practice. I don't know what older is. Okay. There was a reform practice of only the mourners stand. And that's explained as, that's been explained to me as because people in the Kahal should know who is saying Kaddish because afterwards, let's say if someone's not a regular Kaddish sayer, you might go over to them and you say, who are you saying Kaddish for? And they say like, Oh, my mother. No, I remember her or how long she'd been gone or her memory should be for blessing. So knowing who the mourners are serves a, I'm going to call it a social function um give me a second and then but then i've also heard oh but if only the mourners are standing then mourners you know ab initio feel isolated as human beings this makes them feel even more isolated that everyone is looking at them right um so i i understand i've heard it you know emotionally psychologically both ways i just sort of say the traditional and traditional schools where everyone stands you know who the mourners are because you pay attention to who's saying Kaddish, right? By the way, and it happens to me all the time, certainly, um, like here's the reality as a older middle-aged person, of course. Sometimes I sort of forget who's in their year of mourning because there's so many shivas to go to, you know, and you sort of see someone saying Kaddish and you're actually reminded that they're in their year of mourning. It's like, Five months later, I went to the Shiva. I forgot already, but of course they didn't forget. They're grieving. And that will be a spur for you to um, chat with someone. Again, it's sort of the social function of Mourner's Cottage. You know, and I think that can be done, again, someone would say, well, that's done more easily if you see clearly who the mourners are because everyone else is seated, which is, again, is why what explained, that was explained to me is that's what the, the origin of that reform practice. Okay. I can tell uh, you this, Avi, that yep. at Hebrew Union College, yep. uh, where I go occasionally uh, for class, uh, the, the services every day are run by students and everyone stands. So I think it's a movement thing. And it's, I, you okay. know. So I think it's changed. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cause I know, okay. I, I, I know I've taught about Mourners Cottage at ECAR, where a lot of people come from a reform background. Some come from a more traditional background. Some of the ones who come from the reform background say this is weird to them to stand during mourners' Kaddish. You know, they get superstitious, evil eye about it. Like, I'm not a mourner. Why should I stand? Aren't we supposed to, you know, let the mourners be distinguished by having everyone knows this by everyone else sitting? So as with a lot of things, you know, it depends on the practice that you grew up with. Um, uh, the last few years, some of us are familiar with things that have been circulating about cleaning for Pesach, 
Okay. So the latest thing that I read just a couple in the last couple of days, my wife and I read, uh, was, uh, something that said, um, modern earthenware, you know, dishes, porcelain, porcelain in air quotes. It's not really porcelain. It's clay. Modern earthenware does not absorb flavor. So to kosher it for Pesach, all you need to do is clean it thoroughly. So my wife started to say to me last night, so our serving dishes, I said, absolutely not. I interrupted her before the question could even get out of her mouth. It's like, I don't care what it says in some contemporary rabbinic response about that. I am not going to be using the regular serving platters on Pesach, no matter what. Period. End of story. I don't care how many chuvas I read it. Unless I was on a desert island and like didn't have another serving dish. And then I would do that. Okay. But it's like, I don't care what someone says. My, yeah, my joke about that, um, Rabbi Chaim Ovadia, who's Sephardi, is one of these uh, people who's very lenient. He says, just wipe down the counters and don't worry about it. And run. The, you don't even have to run your dishwasher. If you feel like it, you should run your dishwasher once on the shortest cycle. And then it's kosher. So, um, I, I always say, like, that might be what Rabbi Chaim Ovadia says. I'm guessing that Mrs. Ovadia says to him, stay out of my kitchen and don't trafe up my stuff. So that is a very gendered comment, and I apologize if I offended anyone. Um, actually, my wife bumped into Rabbi Chaim Ovadia uh, in the last couple of months, and she said, that's what my husband said, is that true, what your wife says to you? And he laughed, and he said, yeah, she sort of says that, right? Okay, back to Kaddish. Are there any more questions about choreography, standing, sitting, saying? I don't think we discussed why Mourner's Kaddish leaves out Titkabel, did we? Okay, so Mourner's Kaddish leaves out Titkabel. I will, sorry, Alan, did you have a No, question? no, 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 just, no, not just afterwards. Okay. Do this first. So Mourner's Kaddish leaves out Tit Kabel. I will pose the question why. But before I pose the question why, I will make a comment again about Minhag. Okay. So you may be familiar with, as I was, the Minhag that in a Shiva home, in a Shiva home, if the mourner leads davening, the mourner leaves out titkabel. If a non-mourner, because in other words, the mourner makes their their full kaddish into a mourner's kaddish. It doesn't mean other mourners say it with them, but they drop titkabel just as they would for mourner's kaddish. Whereas if someone else is leading davening, they say titkabel. It turns out when I researched that a year or two ago, that's just a minhag. And there's a minhag that if the mourner leads... Fu- at his home, the mourner says Titkabel in full Kaddish, not in mourner's Kaddish. And there's also a minhag that even if another person leads full Kaddish in the, in a Shiva home, that that other person leaves out Titkabel. So it turns out this thing that I thought is like the standard thing that everyone knows is really just minhag, as with so many other things. Um, but for sure, when a mourner is saying mourner's Kaddish, they, it is not Kaddish Shalem. It is Kaddish Yatom. The major difference is leaving out Titkabel. Any thoughts on why that would be the case? I think we have to assume, I think it's reasonable to assume not 
that two lines were added to the Kaddish after the regular body of Kaddish. And then someone said, oh, let's add a third line, but not for mourners. I think it is much more likely that three lines were added after Kaddish for Kaddish Shalem. And then the the group mind said, but but we're going to skip one of them for mourners. Okay. So three were added and then one was subtracted rather than two were, add, two were added and then one more was added. So why do you think that one was subtracted? Alan, Larry. You, oh, I, Alan's not speaking to that. Larry, you want to speak to that? No. No. When you're all done, I have a different question. Michael. Yes, perhaps because the mourner is, uh, is of a frame of mind, uh, of almost denying God because, because presumably they'd been praying for the welfare of the person who recently died. I pray. I say, I came to shul and I said, Misha Barak's all the time. Right. And my loved one died anyway. Right. So. Right. And this says, may the prayers be accepted by our guardian. And right. So it was not. So perhaps it is, um, I think we can look at that a few different ways. Psychologically counter something or other to ask a mourner to say that the mourner may be bitter. The mourner may be angry. The mourner might be thinking this line is bull. You know, I prayed my loved one didn't live. All right. How can I say this line with integrity? Right. Hard enough to say, get up and say Kaddish. Right. Or so thank you, Michael. Or, by the way, um, you know, sometimes mourners go through all sorts of psychological suffering, anger, you know. Maybe they have thoughts in their head that they should not be asking for their prayers to be answered. You know, sometimes mourners think like, oh, I wish I were dead instead. Or, forgive me for saying this, but we all know that some people say this sometimes. The wrong one died. Anyone remember the biopic about Johnny Cash and his brother was killed um, in an accident when they were kids? And the parent actually said the wrong one died because Johnny Cash was like the runner run around who couldn't stay in school and couldn't do anything right. And his brother was like the straight ahead one who, you know, worked extra after school to make extra money. That's how he's killed. And he's killed in a labor accident. Um, and the parent actually said the wrong one died. So, you know what? A mourner might have prayers in their, in their head that we don't want them to say, my prayer should be answered. Or, I prayed and my prayers failed. So what was, what's all this God business? And we can probably come up with a couple of other psychological angles. Does that make sense? So something about the mourner's state means, you know what? We don't want them to say this sentence or we don't make them say this sentence or it's not they might not feel appropriate saying this sentence or something like that. Any other thoughts about that? And anyone want to add anything to that? And any other angles that I missed that could be? Okay. Cause there's always angles that I miss. Right. And if you look at the, at the two other lines, they're not actually that personal. They're about prayer. It's like, Oh, make there be, be great peace, uh, on all of us. And the God who makes peace in heaven makes peace on, may, may that God make peace on earth. Right. So it's not, it is not please answer our prayers and requests, which is very specific about prayers. Okay. Um, okay. There, there may be random questions floating. Larry, then Alan. 
I apologize. I wasn't here last week, so you may have covered this last week. <clears throat> Do you mean last time? Because we've skipped the last two weeks. Probably not. Oh, good. Go on. But you have a question. It's okay. It's about the, I'll call it superstition. I won't call it minhag. Yeah. The superstition of some non-observant but traditional Jews to pay someone to say Kaddish for them. Okay. For the full year. Great. Thank you. Okay. So... If we go back to the original story of why mourners say mourners Scottish, way, way, way back, probably a month and a half ago, two months ago, what's the or- short version? Don't tell me about Rabbi Akiva. Just tell me the short version of the medieval rationale of why do mourners say Kaddish. Larry, do you remember? I don't remember what you said. I always thought it was to affirm their their faith. The soul of the loved one is wandering in purgatory for 12 months. Right. Before it can get to heaven, because it's wandering in purgatory, which is beyond this world, our physical world, that soul is no longer able to do mitzvot. Okay. And so I will do a mitzvah. Uh, I, the survivor will do a mitzvah of getting the kahal to praise God's name. And that mitzvah is deposited in my loved one's mitzvah bank account rather than mine. Okay. So they who are working off their debt of sins in purgatory, right, can't do mitzvahs. I am doing a mitzvah on their behalf. That is the original reason from the 12th century-ish that is given as to why a one of the Kaddishes is given to a mourner to recite, okay? That might not be what it means to us, but that's the original meaning that's given. So based on that, the minhag is someone should be saying Kaddish. So, for example, in very orthodox circles, I don't want to say very orthodox, whatever. In certain orthodox circles where women don't say Kaddish, don't say mourner's Kaddish, um, and there may not be a male direct mourner if someone just has a daughter or daughters, sometimes someone else will take it upon themselves to say Kaddish. Right. Uh, it could be a nephew. It could be a grandson. It could be a son-in-law because they don't believe in women should recite Kaddish aloud. OK, so some other male who is not obligated because they're not the mourner will take it on because if the purpose is to win mitzvah points for the deceased, then if they don't have a mourner to win mitzvah points, then someone should say Kaddish, by the way. This is, there's a practice that uh, if there's no one in shul saying Kaddish, the chazan should say, say mourners Kaddish. It's just a practice because, you know, there were people who died in the Shoah who have no one to say Kaddish for them. So there should always be a mourners Kaddish because there are people who didn't have mourners. So, Larry, what flows from that one step further than the son-in-law or the nephew or the grandson, right, is... Um, I won't be able to say Kaddish, whatever. I don't go to shul. I travel, whatever. Um, I will pay someone else to recite Kaddish. And that is in having that person in mind. I am paying them to accrue mitzvah points for the deceased loved one. So you might like that, not like that, call it superstitious, call it what you want. But that's the origin of the practice, as far as I know, Right. So it's it's just one step beyond if a person dies without heirs, sorry, 
and in certain circle without male direct mourners to say Kaddish for them, someone should say Kaddish for them. Because, again, originally, because their soul is wandering through purgatory for 12 months, and someone's got to say Kaddish to accrue mitzvah points for them. And again, the mitzvah is not reciting Kaddish. The mitzvah is that I am getting the congregation to say, Amen, Yehesh, Me, Rabbam, Evarach, Le'alam, Omeh, I am instructing the congregation to praise God's name. They are praising God's name by saying, Yehesh, Me, Rabbah. So I am getting a mitzvah by doing that. I want to follow that. Larry, does that answer your question? Not only does it answer the question, but yeah. I am embarrassed and ashamed for two things that I forgot your explanation about why we say Kaddish. Don't, don't worry about it. But more importantly, I shouldn't have called it a superstition. So now I understand there's actually, there, there, whether I agree with it or not. Correct. There's, there's a, there's a, a, a reason for it that uh, makes sense. Right. And also, by the way, let's go a step further. Superstitions are sometimes deeply held non-rational beliefs that it would go against the grain to violate them. So I know, for example, uh, both the way my wife and I grew up, regardless of the fact that the rabbi always says before Yisker, you know, children whose parents were alive don't need to leave the room for Yisker because they're people they can remember who died in the Shoah. I turn to my child and I say, get out of the room. I don't care. I don't care what you think, right? Because I'm raised with the ethos of, there will come a day when you will need to say Yisker, all right? And there's no need for you to be in the room for Yisker one year, one one holiday before that comes. Yavo Hayom, the day will come. You go outside, right? If I had a kid who said, well, the Shoah that I'd like to say in for Yisker, I, I'd probably say to them, please go to some other part of the room so that I can't see you. Because to me, it's like nails on the chalkboard, right? Because... And my wife would say the same thing because that's how we grew up. And the rabbi always refers to it as a superstition. So some rabbis refer to it as a superstition. So that's my superstition. Alan. Um, this may be a question better suited for next week about theology. But um, the question is that in the in the first line, it's it's Yit Kadav or Yit Kadash Shemei Rabbah. Yeah. You know, the name of God. Why not? Why not just say? God's name there. Why not say, you know, Adonai? Oh. Why, why the emphasis on the sanctification Shmo, of the name rather Shmo than Hagadol. the actual name of yeah. God in place? Yeah. <clears throat> it's a complicated question because when we talk about God, sometimes we talk about God directly. Sometimes we say, we, we refer to Kavod. Sometimes we refer to Mal, Kavod meaning presence or glory. Sometimes we refer to Malchut. Sometimes we say shame, and these are all sort of one-step-removed concepts that connote divinity. Uh, <clears throat> why that one in this prayer, I don't know, that we'd have to sort of think about that. Right, is it a, by the way, is, is that a quote from somewhere in, in the in the Bible or the tradition? I know, Vinit Kadilti, Vinit Kadishti, God says, that's from Ezekiel. And and maybe that has the word shame in it. I have to go back and look at that verse. Okay. Um, okay. Let's knock off. Um, next week, God willing, we'll talk about Ya'alev Yavo, uh, the prayer that we will add this Thursday for Rosh Chodesh, starting tomorrow night. And everyone stay healthy and be Torah. And God willing, we'll resume next week in Nissan. Mm-hmm.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.